back recording. So we're on. What's up? That's right. What's up? What's up is a whole bunch of football just came in and mugged our asses between last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every doggone day. NFL Even tonight. College. Tonight is supposed to be the end of the NFL week one uh, season, I guess, when the Jets take on the Buffalo Bills in Jersey. The Jets have the home field advantage and still underdogs, but Aaron Rodgers is coming out. The new Jets quarterback. We're going to see what the <clears> new era is about. Does but how, how about the Bengals releasing the news of Joe Burrow's contract minutes before kickoff Thursday night, kind of trolling the, the Chiefs? Uh, that didn't go so well on Sunday, did it? Did not go well. <laughs> I mean, come on. It couldn't have gone even any worse. And I'm surprised. I mean, it's, it's Joe Burrow. This guy is the elite yeah, quarterback in the NFL. He's not supposed to have days like that. And I understand you. Yeah, some people have days like that. When you're as good as he is and as great as he's been, it's like Pat Mahomes doing the same thing. He lost the game. Well, his team lost the game, and he got full blame as if he was the reason why. No matter what Kadarius told him, did, he got full blame because people simply don't like him. People are stupid. They're saying he threw a pick six. Uh, technically, yeah, because he threw the ball. But yeah. he didn't throw a pick six. He didn't throw it to the other team. It went right through the receiver's hands. Yep. And, I mean, how was that Mahomes' fault at all? He had no fault in that at all. Um, unless you say, well, he could have thrown it away. Then there wouldn't have been a pick six. But that would be even more stupid than what than the stupidity being said about Mahomes. Yeah, but you know what? This is how it goes now, especially when you can hand, you know, stand behind the anonymity of being online behind your keyboard, you can say a whole bunch of nonsense and not be held accountable, at least not at your face. You know, if you had a round table and you had people there, you wouldn't say, at least a lot of people wouldn't say the nonsense they say online, whether about an athlete, definitely not to an athlete. But there are so <laughs> many people who don't like Mahomes, and I don't even see why, why they wouldn't like him. I mean, he doesn't even have the personality to which you would not like him. But, you know, the wins, I understand. When you win too much, people just don't like you. They'll be on the bandwagon while you're winning, but if you win too much now, it's too much, and they don't like you. They don't like what you stand for. They don't, definitely don't like that you're winning. You know, they didn't have a feeling about Tom Brady until he started winning, 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 winning. Then, you know, you see the other things that might have happened, you know, uh, deflate gate, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. But come on, Pat Mahomes, I mean, this guy is as, as cool, at least on commercials and any other time you see him outside of being personal than not. I don't see any reason not to hate him unless him – other than him not being my quarterback and beating up my team or not having opportunities that he has. I'm sure that that's what it mostly comes from, where it mostly comes from. But as you mentioned, commercials, people people are probably tired of seeing him. Um, but at least some of the commercials are, are kind of comical, you know. Yeah, I are. mean, I'm not a bath bomb guy. That, that, was, that one was decent. Um, <laughs> but, you know, people get sick of seeing the same people. Um, me, I don't usually do commercials unless I'm watching sports and I have no, no choice, but like, I don't usually watch TV shows. If it's not a movie, I'm not watching, especially like on Netflix. I ain't got time for seven, seven series or I mean, seven seasons of, of stuff, even though there aren't commercials on Netflix, I'm just saying, um, and it could be his face is all over the place. He was part of the Netflix quarterback, uh, series, you know, and People just get tired of seeing the same face, and you know, people become trolls and haters. 
Yeah, we've been around long enough to see so many other stars. At one point, Sweetener was on the television, you know, probably not as much as today, obviously, because there weren't as many uh, platforms out there for him to be on. Uh, Dan Marino was on these commercials. Jim Kelly was on commercials. You know, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice. In fact, there was an issue at one point that Joe Montana or Jerry Rice's people or even Jerry Rice wasn't as happy about him not getting as much light as Joe Montana, even though, you know, Jerry Rice believes he was the face of the team doing what he was doing. I mean, come on now. Man. This is what it is all the time. It happens to be football time. When basketball comes around, you're going to start seeing LeBron a little bit more and a few of these other NBA stars they're trying to push to for the face of the NBA. You know, you're going to probably see more Jokic video, Jokic commercials, or even Luka commercials. That's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, there's going to be Back in 85, you know, a lot of, lot of people considered the 85 Bears to have the best defense ever. Yeah. You know, they had a lot of characters on that team. McMahon was making commercials. Sweetness was making commercials. Mm-hmm. Mike Ditka made more commercials than any player. Yeah, and even afterwards. Yeah. Mike Ditka was getting, he was getting opportunities even in New Orleans <laughs> after he made that bad trade for Ricky Williams. He was still getting yeah, that deals. Was a terrible trade. Oh, oh, my God, it was an awful trade. But, you know, Mike Ditka is Mike Ditka. He's just that character. Remember Art Donovan? <laughs> the office of Lyman from way back in the day. He was just a character. I mean, I oh, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Oh, yeah. This guy was really giving me the business. So I, I I'm in the, I'm in the film films. Yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah. But anyway, we can talk about what just <clears throat> happened this past weekend. College football, you know, obviously be getting around to the NFL. But Alabama, surprise, surprise, or really, I was expecting Texas to do more fumbling around and losing because of their fumbling around not winning because they were actually the better team on Saturday in Tuscaloosa, primarily because of Jalen Moreau. I don't believe he's a quarterback. I've said it before. He's another running back, and you can't have back option your way to a championship. And not even a home win against a team like Texas, who looks like they have their thing together with Quinn Ewers, who I did not give Mm -hmm. credit to, coming through, doing what he needed to do, and getting the win on the road. Yeah, and they look good doing it. Um, I missed the first half and a little bit of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, my neighborhood has a block party, so I used to, I have to make an appearance, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, when I got back, I saw there was a tight game. I said, well, let me put it on. And they moved the ball very easily. They took the lead, but then Bama moved it right back. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a shootout now. But Bama couldn't keep up with them. As you mentioned, yours he 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 did his thing. Uh, Texas, they got athletes out there. They got a lot of speed, and the, the defense was playing on their heels. Texas took it to them. Yeah, exactly. Texas took it to them. They brought their defense with them. And if you looked at the game itself, even though I didn't watch the entire game either, I was kind of going in and out. The deal is that Texas can match up with Alabama man for man. I never thought that was going to be a problem. My issue was the quarterback who I did not believe in, which may be faulty on my behalf, but the overall Steve Sarkeesian being a coach who knows how to unite a team. That's what I was thinking about. I remember his days at USC. And I remember that I, I didn't, I didn't get that thing that he was going to be the, a, a great coach or even a good coach. Well, I think he's learned along the way. You're not going to see the state of fame all the time. He's a former quarterback working with a quarterback that should have clicked for me. People are now like, look at the way this thing occurs. Alabama has issues at quarterback. I thought that Tyler Buckner should have gotten the opportunity 
because his offensive coordinator from Notre Dame, Tommy Reese, is now the offensive coordinator with Alabama. I thought it would be a natural fit. He didn't get his opportunity. And Nick Saban did not pull Jason uh, Jalen Moreau when I thought he should have. At some point, even at halftime, give yourself a shot. But Texas was the undeniably better team. They talk about Alabama's big offensive line. They're big, but they're not athletic as they used to be because they can't stop a pass rush. Everybody was getting through whatever they felt like, and they can run the ball. <laughs> but then Texas has the athletes to match you on there too. Yeah. You know, when you don't have Tua Tagovailoa on the bench ready to come in, it's not so easy to make that change. You know, early in the season, um, if you pull him now, his confidence is shot. And if oh, yeah. his backup doesn't get the job done, I mean, you could be looking at a long season. So I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not uh, – I, I, I don't agree with, with him uh, or I agree with him not pulling his quarterback. Well, you have Ty Simpson on your team. I think he's the only real blue-chip quarterback who's brought in to be a passing quarterback who can read defenses. I think he has the real quarterback pedigree, but he's too young, doesn't have the experience. But at least someone who does have the experience may not be that good, but probably good enough because he's at least familiar with the offense, and that's Tyler Buckner. That's why I've been on his bandwagon to get in at least someone who knows the offense. You're bringing in a new offensive coordinator where your quarterback from last year had a different offensive coordinator, has to relearn that offense now. He wasn't that good in the previous offense he was in. Now he's showing you what he can do in this offense. Not completely his fault, but I still believe he's one of those running quarterbacks who just happens to pass the ball. And now Nick Saban, I don't know if it's coded. I don't think Nick Saban has to code, code anything when he speaks, but he's saying the future is now. Could that be Ty Simpson coming in? They're playing South Florida this Saturday, a very bad team. They may be able to check out the quarterback situation because they can still win with Jalen Monroe against South Florida. So I think that because South Florida had their issues with family, Florida um, A&M University. I think you can bring in Ty Simpson, see what he can do against South Florida to at least give you an idea where he's at right now in live game action. Yeah, that, that could be a good idea, something they try. You want to get him some live game action and see how he performs. Um but will it be critical game action or will it be garbage time? Because if it's garbage time, well, then you're not really getting a true indication uh, of what he can do in real game situations because it's garbage time. Yeah, but right now I think because they play in South Florida, garbage time is after the coin toss. So you could throw either one of those guys. <laughs> you could throw them in. And yeah, see but I, I mean, it's different. You're coming in and, and it's 10-0 as opposed to – 42 to three. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking that that would be, if there is an opportunity to do anything, that would be it right now. I think Bama Nation is upset about what has happened. I don't think at any point or any time, even if there were consecutive losses, Nick Saban is going to be on anyone's hot seat. Six championships says there isn't a hot seat until he decides to retire. And the way Nick Saban coaches and the way he's recruited should give them a little bit more uh, – making them a little bit more lenient towards even arguing with him. Let Nick Saban do what Nick Saban does and see how it turns out. I'm thinking Ty Simpson needs to get opportunity this week, and Nick Saban saying the future is now could be that code. But another little thing there is how well Ewers played is Arch Manning, who's the third-string quarterback, by the way. You would think he's the second-string quarterback. They're talking about him going to Alabama now. This is free agency. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Can he be the savior in Alabama? You're looking at someone else's roster to be the savior of your team. And the team that just beat how what kind of a look is that? Yeah, but um that's, yeah, that's, that's a bad look. Um they, do they have tampering rules like they do in the NBA? Not that I know of. <laughs> Obviously, there's things that they probably can't do during the season. But, you know, I guess the fans will be the proxy in which they can just say these things and they put out there to say them just because the, the surrogates are probably coaches on the team. They'll say this, make that know that he might want to come there. You know, he's making so much money, Arch Manning, without having to catch, you know, play it down. Yeah, and, the NIL deal. You know, this guy <clears throat> the best deal ever. But if he comes to Alabama, I'm not even looking at that. Play with what you have right now. The three quarterbacks who were in the mix when the season started, let it play out. Alabama's done all of this great recruiting for a reason at other positions. They got a few things to tweak. It's not just quarterback. Yeah, like I said, that defense was on its heels. They yeah. they didn't really come close to stopping Texas the second half nah. uh, for the most part. So they, they have some things to fix on that defensive side also. Yeah, and you look at um, Alabama lost by double digits in Tuscaloosa. I know Jalen Monroe deserves the disrespect he may get. Well, disrespect is a little too strong. He deserves the blame that he should get, but the offensive line being big, doesn't mean much of anything. Those fast Texas boys are fast Texas boys, and they're showing that when they come to the SEC, it might not be as difficult as most thought it might have been when Oklahoma and Texas come to the SEC next season after leaving the Big 12, like a whole bunch of other teams leaving. But how about that Pac-12? Right now, you're talking about Colorado. Coach Prime, back on the scene, 2-0. and Who would have ever thunk? Even though Nebraska's having their issues, Nebraska's defense is still Nebraska's defense. The problem, in my opinion, in that last game against Colorado is Nebraska's defense was just out there too much. They have a 10-cent header quarterback who just hands wins away. Do you, do you really want me to speak on this, man? You got it. Um, yours. Come you on, it. man. I've never hated anybody as much as I hate Jeff Sims. <laughs> I, I And it's a short list. Rex Grossman, Rich Trubisky. Jeff Sims, welcome to the list, man. How can you not catch a, a snap? Man. You're in the shotgun. He fumbled two of them. The opening drive, Nebraska's moving the ball. They get down to the 25. It's like, I don't know, second and six, you know, trying, trying to move the sticks, get closer. And he fumbles the snap and loses it. Then, of course, defense comes on three and out. And then after that, Nebraska struggled. They they couldn't move the ball too much offensively. But then when they did, he fumbles a handoff. He doesn't get over there, doesn't move his feet, and he doesn't put it in the guy's breadbasket. And another turnover. Um, like I mentioned, he's fumbled another snap. The defense was playing awesome. They lose the ball within their own red zone, hold them to three. And you're like, wow, that defense, man, you know, they did. They're doing their job. They they held them to three. You think Colorado gets the ball at the twenty-two yard line? Oh, they're gonna punch it in now, but they didn't. Um, and then he throws a pick. Colorado scores. Uh, Nebraska has the ball under two minutes, third and long. Jeffson's runs. He's going for the first down. He's not gonna make it, and then he runs out of bounds. Why? You you want them to use their timeout? Instead, he runs out of bounds, saves him like 35 seconds on the clock, 
and then they end up kicking a field goal with two seconds on the clock. You're down 13 nothing. So at least he waited. He didn't wait to the fourth quarter to give it away this time. It was over in the first half. After that, I mean, I knew the game was over. See, Jeff Sims, he played at Georgia Tech. When he was coming out of high school, I believe he was like number four in the country as a dual threat quarterback, blah, 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 Sandalwood here in Jacksonville. He goes to Georgia Tech as a dual threat quarterback, and we've known over these years Georgia Tech doesn't have quarterbacks who throw the ball forward. They're in there for the option, and that's been the case for like decades, literally. I think the last time they had a quarterback who could really throw the ball forward with the legitimate intent of completing a pass might have been Joe Hamilton, and that was so long ago. And it's it's ridiculous that I don't know if it's ridiculous because I didn't know what kind of offense Matt Rule was looking to run when he brought in Jeff Sims. Because if it was the option, yeah, but it's not the option. I mean, there's variations of you know RPO and all that kind of thing, but he's not he's not effective at that. He's he misses his passes by a lot. He cannot read defenses. If this was a quintessential look at someone who could not read a defense, it's him. He can run. So he's an athletic quarterback, but I'm sick of hearing about athletic quarterbacks when you're looking for someone to do something outside of just running around with a chicken with his head chopped off. You need to read defenses and give them something else to think about other than you running left, right, or maybe up the middle. The only time he made an impression is when he ran, but you're expecting him to do that. But the passes and being one-dimensional is what's going to do him in. Now, on the other hand, Colorado, Shadur uh, Sanders, Deion son, we know the story. Is he now last week I talked about how he just threw dump passes and he didn't necessarily read defenses from left to right. This time he reads defenses from left to right. He's still making plays, he's still getting big yards. Travis Hunter didn't look as great, but on defense, he did well enough. Obviously, the run defense is a problem. Give him giving up another 200 yard day on the ground. It's gonna come back to haunt them, but right now, two and no, Deion Sanders, the Colorado Buffalo. Bro, anything to think about right now. Number 18 in the country, I believe. Yeah, credit to Coach Prime, man. He's got – I don't know if you watched uh, NFL uh, – NFL uh, noon kickoff on Fox or college game day on ESPN, but, you know, that was an 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock start for that game. So I was up and I was fired up. I wanted to see, you know, what happened. So I was flipping back and forth, and, man, the the, the fans, he, he's got that, that – Fan base fired up, man. And, you know, and he's got his homies coming out there. Michael Irvin in the Buffaloes t-shirt. Yeah, Did on. you ever think he'd see, where see him in a t-shirt, uh, in a college t-shirt other than Miami? For real. Warren um, Sapp is even showing up. Come on yeah. now. And on and the, the sideline. And, and other Go guys, on. Stephen A. Sharp and Shannon Smith. Shannon, Stephen A. Sharp. Stephen A. Smith <laughs> and Shannon Sharp. <laughs> Um, a lot of people were there in support of Dion, man. So uh, he's doing his thing, and as long as his health uh, stays up for him and he stays there for a few years, they're going to be a problem because he's going to get talent to Boulder, Colorado. Without a doubt. I think the issue before was could he really coach? Taking the talent that he had gotten at Jackson State and HBCU, which necessarily doesn't have a whole lot of talent as a whole, the whole swack or even MEAC, the bigger schools and the HBCU ranks, the talent just isn't what it is at, you know, power five schools. And you would expect that. So they were thinking that he was just winning because of all the talent. Now you have some talent and you're actually using coaching and you could see the coaching he's using in this game. And they're winning because of his coaches. 
you win because of players too, but putting those players in a position to be coached as well as they have been coached is getting them the wins right now. Yes, this is all going to come to an end. The likelihood of him going undefeated, probably not likely. <laughs> maybe Oregon is the team after what they did against Texas Tech. Maybe Oregon may not be the team, but I think yeah. they're coming to Colorado, so that may be a tough test for them. Bo Nix so, is not any of the other quarterbacks. He can run and he can throw. So as you mentioned, Nebraska's defense was on the field a lot. They got tired second yeah. half. The game got away from them. But that first half – they they caused a lot of problems for for that Colorado offense, and they actually, I don't believe they have a great defensive line. Well, they run a three three five, so they don't have three three linemen anyway. But mm -hmm. they they don't put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and they sacked uh, Sanders five times. Yeah, and the know? problem there is going into the season, their offensive line, Colorado's that is, was supposed to be the deficient part of the team, and it showed that it's the deficient part of the team. When a better pass rush came in, even though it wasn't as many people, Matt Rule has those guys at least playing defense. And as far as the five defensive backs, you're talking about coming out of the nickel. And that's another reason why the passing yards weren't there in the beginning. Right. It just fell apart when these guys got tired from being on the field all the dog on time. Three and out, three and out, pick. Three and yeah. out, three and out. You know, so where I, where I was going is that they, I'm sure they're not as bad as they didn't look horrible but they obviously didn't look good against nebraska in the first half but they're probably not as good as they were against tcu either they're somewhere in the middle and nebraska is just a better defense i don't think nebraska's defense is getting enough credit look at the way you lost in minnesota if that defense did everything they could possibly do it was the offense that lost the game and so <laughs> that, I mean, that sounds crazy for you to say that the offense lost the game. <laughs> well, now we see who the quarterback is. Offense lost the last game, too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the not interceptions and fumble. You can have as much talent as you want. If that talent's out there all of the time, you just can't you just can't do it. It's like we talk about with pass rushes and it's pretty basic knowledge. No matter how good you are as a quarterback, unless you're someone as spectacular like Dion, if that pass rush doesn't get to a quarterback on a high level, he's going to find his open receiver. If you give him six seconds, he's finding an open receiver. You know what I mean? So this is going to – but it, it's just not happening for Nebraska. The defense is there. It's just that the offense is just horrible, and they just – right now it's horrible. I think there has to be a change, and I think there will be a change. Someone's going to be upset. Yeah, I, I, I'd say, man, move Jeff Sims to, to a wide receiver. But if he can't catch a snap, how's he going to catch a – How's he going to catch a pass? Well, yeah, exactly. But you know what? Nebraska, I still think you – know, I know you were upset. You were going ballistic on it so Saturday, man. You're like, man, really change anything. Yeah, man, for me for me to say I hated a player, man, that, that's serious. You know. It goes deep. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I get people make mistakes, but not catching a snap twice? That I don't, I don't understand. I, I, I truly don't understand. Well, I'm thinking right now, college football-wise, things are looking good overall because this is a season where we're not just talking about the SEC. We're not just talking about Alabama and Georgia and the next SEC national champion. We now have someone who's throwing a monkey wrench in there, and that's Texas. We also have other teams in there. You know, the Pac-12 is looking good so far this season. They haven't played great teams yet, but, hey, they've done enough and have blown out teams the way they should to where they can at least move up or stay where they are, and now they're flooding the top 25. <clears throat> with eight teams, more than the SEC, ACC, and Big Ten. 
in their swan song season. So, you know, there's a lot more storylines. And, of course, I think leading the way going into this season was Deion Sanders, Coach Prime at Colorado, and seeing how they're playing. And they're delivering. No matter how you look at it, they're delivering in this in this moment. And then college football with the other storyline. Sometimes college football is better when certain teams are doing well. Notre Dame is one of those teams. Another team, if you just need a villain, Miami. It seems like they're trying to come back. Only two games, I wouldn't say they're back, but they're trying to come back and they're doing a good job at it. Mario Cristobal's second season, they take on Texas A&M, who was favored to win, even in Miami, just like they won last season in College Station, Miami wins the game. And Miami looked good as individuals and as a team, as I thought they did against Miami of Ohio. Teams that they beat and supposed to beat, but you could see how good the team is just by looking at the way things worked out. Yeah, I didn't see any of that game, but when I saw the score, you know I was happy. I think I texted you too, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need Miami. To, I need them to have as good a record as possible yeah. going to, to that Florida State game. So when I saw that, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was happy. Fifteen point victory. I mean, Miami so, needed it <laughs> yeah. because they're bringing in the players. If nothing else, Mario Cristobal has proven throughout his career that he can recruit. I don't necessarily know completely about his coaching yet. I know he can do some things because he did win at FIU at one point before leaving. But he did go to Oregon, brought in plays, but didn't win on the highest level the way Oregon expected him to win on a higher level. He's now in Miami, back home, his alma mater. We know he's won championships there with Miami in the 80s. And now he brings in talent. People are now looking at Miami again as an option. When you look at some of these top players and their five-star players, Miami's now part of the argument. And now I think they just signed somebody today. We meant not signed, but he committed. I, yeah, I, I didn't see the I, name. I, but. I didn't see the commitment today, but the people have been at least having Miami in their vocabulary when they're looking at Alabama, when they're looking at Texas, when they're looking at Georgia. Now Miami's kind of creeping into that top five. And that's something that hadn't really happened, with, especially with any consistency over the years. And rightfully so. They hadn't done anything. But the one who I worried about the most, even after the Miami of Ohio game, quarterback Tyler Van Dyke, well, he had a phenomenal game. So 374 yards, five touchdowns, kind of shut me up, and I don't mind. <laughs> when the wins are coming by 15 points. Mm. And the defense looked well, even though they did give up some yards, but they also handed the ball to Texas A&M in the early going and got themselves into a, a hole. But coming back offensively and playing well defensively, Shows you that Miami may just be back and the season's going to continue to progress. And the way other teams are losing, like Clemson, and still struggling a little Fingers bit with cross. North Carolina, not doing as well against Appalachian State. But I look at that as an in-state game. Appalachian State isn't a bad team. An in-state game, that North Carolina thing, makes them play better than they probably should. The game's closer than it probably should. Miami normally has problems against North Carolina, whether in Coral Gables or in North Carolina, for some damn reason. So hopefully they get to Florida State because Florida State just rolling along and everyone's undefeated. Possibilities are there and we'll get a chance to just uh, enjoy our tickets since right. we'll be there. Uh -huh. So there's a lot going on, on <clears throat> football. Miami doing the same thing. And as I already mentioned, the Pac-12 having eight teams in the top 25 and those teams are looking good while they're doing it. Oregon had a bit of a problem against Texas Tech, but Oregon is going to go to Colorado eventually and play against Coach Prime and his Buffaloes, and we'll see where that stands. But you can't argue. When the SEC has everybody up there, no one complains in the second game of the season or second week of the season, 
Why should we complain now that the Pac-12 in their swan song season with only two teams remaining after 10 leave after the season, they seem to be legitimate so far. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about something right quick. Um, I saw a headline, um, something like Buckeyes offense rolls or, or responds or something. And I'm like, oh, Marvin Harrison Jr. must have had a big, a big day. Um, they must have scored a lot of points, whatever. And then when I saw the score, it was I think it was 35-7. I mean, yeah, they won easily, but, yeah, I mean, you would expect Youngstown State uh, at least 50. You know, it's not <laughs> close to 60. So I, I don't know about that Buckeye offense. No, I don't know about it just yet, but we do know that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the stud on the entire team, not just the offense. But at the same time, I kind of look at that in the early going especially because teams are still trying to – get their their thoughts about them, I guess, get their, you know, get their continuity because it's still early in the season, a new quarterback timing, all of that stuff. I kind of look at it the way I just looked at the North Carolina Appalachian State game in state. Remember, Youngstown State used to be that school that used to play Marshall like every year in the FCS or 1AA, and they used to be a championship team. Jim Trestle was there when they were a championship team. So that in-state thing, little brother playing big brother, big brother not necessarily taking them seriously and kind of getting caught up, you know, but and yeah, while but, they're getting caught up, they make it more closer than it should be. But yeah. yeah but big brother's 17 and little brother's 10 or 11. Come and on. that's true. You let them stomp in your foot for a little <laughs> while and then he starts growing and it starts hurting. And then you kind of let him know, yo, I'm still a big brother. And the final score proved that they are big brother. There wasn't any real problem or any real doubt in the game. And Marvin Harrison had the big game we expected from him even in the first game. But, you know, it seems like they may be getting it together. You know, Kyle McCord, once again, his former high school quarterback. So maybe that chemistry is kind of coming back slowly but surely if Marvin Harrison can stay healthy. And so um, staying in the Big Ten, well, there are big problems even outside of football. Mel Tucker, that's a big issue. It's not football we talked about this past weekend. Michigan State is 2-0, but the bigger picture is Mel Tucker may be gone from the team, probably violating a morality clause in his contract. Typically, when you have a $95 million 10-year contract, there is a morality clause somewhere in there. So if he can't, uh, if they prove that he had done something detrimental to the image of the team or the school, well, he's gone and not getting paid the rest of his money. What's going on with that nonsense? Yeah, I saw he was being investigated, but I didn't see for what. I was going to ask you. Um, mm -hmm. So it's something he said or did? Well, it's this lady, Trace, uh, Brenda Tracy. She is an advocate for sexual assault. I know how the algorithm is on YouTube, whatever. But she's been a rape victim at one point. At one point, she was gang raped by four guys at Oregon, oh I believe Oregon State. And it was two players, one junior college player and a recruit. And this is back when she was 25. She was a mother of two at the time, uh, 24, I believe. She was a mother of two at the time. And now um, she goes around as an advocate of women to stand up and the rights of women, you know, when it comes down to SA, sexual assault. And she caught up with Mel Tucker and he kind of befriended her and put her on, you know, gave her opportunities to come to uh, Michigan State to speak to the team on three different occasions. And then he got her phone number. And of course, they kept back and forth. It was business. But apparently there's text messages out there that seems like he tried to get more than what were, that what she wanted. Well, the thing that this is all about now, 
he was on the phone with her masturbating. And yes, I'm going to say that without her consent. That's what she says. He's admitting to that part. He's saying, however, it was mutual. And that's where the disconnect comes in. She says, no, it wasn't mutual. And she seems what she's saying as a rebuttal sounds a lot more credible than what he's saying as, no, we really were in some type of a romantic relationship. I'm having trouble with my wife and my marriage. He says he has, she says she has text about these things or she's spoken to him when he says my what my marriage is not good. I'm pretty much single. That kind of stuff. He has kids and a wife, you know, and it's looking crazy now. It's bro, it's it's a tight spot. Wow, that's crazy. That is crazy. I'm just wondering why wouldn't she hang up? Well, she said she was so frozen by the incident. You know, I guess I don't know. I'm just like I don't. If you don't want to hear it, I mean, hit the end call button. She knew someone was going to ask that. So she even went on to say, I was just frozen. You know why? And I can kind of believe it. And what adds credibility to it is she is a victim. She was a victim of a rape. And so if someone does that and you thought it was your friend, maybe it does give her flashbacks. Maybe she was shocked. Maybe she was, you know, thinking this is my friend. She could have been. I mean, that's a reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've never been in that spot to where someone that you trust and thought was cool with you comes up like that and comes at you like that. Maybe you are shocked, yo. This can't be real, and maybe so. Stop but I, I, I've also seen some people talking about how she set him up, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? All of these scenarios, there may be a little bit of credibility to, to <clears throat> some of them because you look at some of the, even the most ridiculous ones. You know, she, she set him up. She knew that he would do something like that. Really, bro, you got too much to lose. You are a public person. There's a responsibility you have as the public person you are as the head coach you are, the money you're getting in the face of a program and a school. So I, I just, I, I obviously I don't know the facts of what's true, what isn't true. And I'm just hearing from what you just said, but I don't think Mel Tucker's a stupid man. He, yeah, and knowing not. who she is, why would you do something like that? Bro, even at that age, those hormones stop popping. Come on now. <laughs> I mean, hey, you never know. It, it, I'm just, I'm just that, saying, you you gotta, like, you know who you're talking to, you, like, he gotta know if I do well, he got this, friendly with her. it's not gonna go over well. Um, he got friendly with her. I don't know. And maybe while getting friendly, he got comfortable, and he might have thought even worst case scenario, nah, she wouldn't do that to me. I have too much to lose. She wouldn't do that. But it seems like she did. Now there was another story, you know, when everyone's blaming her on the guys in this particular group. I was checking out was blaming her she's setting him up and it it sounds like you know it's one of those far out things but how about this i didn't think he deserved the contract he had gotten i'll be legitimate with that he did have the a school set him up he had an 11 and 2 question 11 and 2 record the following season he had a 5 and 7 record he was never a head coach in that capacity ironically he was the head coach at colorado before Carl Durrell and now Deion Sanders primetime and so when he was there it was Michigan State who bought him out. So he for doubled his salary, brought him to Michigan State. I didn't think he was anything special as a coach. So when he went 11 and 2, I was like, you know what? I may be wrong. But then he goes 5 and 7. And then this year, of course, you're going to start 2 and 0 because the records are supposed to be that way this early in the season. But when Big Ten play starts, I wasn't expecting much of anything from him or his team this season. So what about someone from Michigan State, a booster, let's say, 
That's so, you know what? We blew it. We blew it giving this guy this money. I'm thinking it's a politically correct contract. That's another argument for another day. That's just me. Might be one of those. That's going way down the rabbit hole. You know, that's way down. But how about <laughs> this? Some booster says, you know what? We got to, you know, we'll, we'll, we can't pay this guy the rest of this money. 80 more million dollars off this 95 million. How about we set him up like this? Hey, impossible? Nothing's impossible. And then they put him in this spot right here. And now, if it's a morality clause issue, he loses the money and the contract yeah, but, is out of but, They don't have to pay for it. But then my problem with that is, why would she go along with that? Because she may be my, getting some money, too. They pay her $10,000 per, not per engagement. She has gotten paid $10,000 to speak to Michigan State. She's done, I believe, over 100 of these. If you're speaking. going around the country speaking, advocating, you know, trying to empower women and, you know. Pretty much tell her I'm just saying. Guys. But now you're going to go set somebody up and you're now you're going to be the shady one? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And if you look at today's society and people say, well, he's a black coach, that's why. Cut it out. Bobby Petrino was fired, too, from Arkansas, and he's with a young lady as well. And that was a big reason why he was fired. It happens. The problem is, or the issue should be, why are you even putting yourself in that position as Mel Tucker is? You know, this is a conversation we could probably even have tomorrow and continue it because there's just so much to talk about right now and so little time to do it. So we'll just yeah, get on to the NFL as it has arrived in full force. We talked about Casey. We talked about the Lions starting off 1-0. and And now we have Chris Jones finally ending his holdout, not necessarily getting the contract he wanted, just getting an ex- just getting some incentives added to the final year of the current contract, but Kansas City felt they had to do it. But now that I, he I, will, thought, I yeah. think I saw Mahomes tweeted if he can play wide receiver, if he has good hands. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, I might be mistaken. If you saw that, somebody got thrown in the butt. There's so much toxicity in that line. They need somebody right who can catch the ball besides Kelsey. He can't throw him the ball every time when he comes back. And to think about it, I said that Mahomes last Thursday before the game started, Mahomes can make you a – he's a kingmaker. He can make an ordinary receiver something. Woo! Oh, way too soon with that. Those weren't ordinary receivers dropping passes. Ordinary receivers, you know, have four catches for 29 yards, not five drops. Yeah, and one yard and then a minus one yard rushing. I mean, there's just nothing but issues with that Darius Tony, And, of course, he turns off his social media account afterwards. We're in an age where everybody goes to social media no matter what. If he'd have done a good thing in the game, you know, he'd have been talking about it on social mm-hmm. media. Now, this, he shuts it down. But, y'all, the NFL is here, and the Cowboys destroyed the New York Giants 40 to nothing on, on Sunday Night Football. Daniel Jones, they just gave you over $150 million. Bro, what is this? Saquon Barkley, you didn't deserve the raise you got, even though it wasn't a million dollars. The whole team imploded. The Cowboys, they played like they looked like they knew the plays before the Giants. <laughs> yeah. knew what they were. I mean, they were just dominant, so dominant, man. The speed on that defense was incredible. Um, they were driving early. Uh, they get the field goal blocked, and after that, it was downhill. I don't know if the game's not going to change if he makes that field goal, but um. I don't know. It was just a very dominant performance. And uh, I, I'm sure Giants fans are like, damn, we gave this dude all that money. But, but who, who, what quarterback would succeed under all of that pressure? That's true. But the irony here is the domination was completely defensive because offensively there was really nothing to offer. 
that Pres Prescott goes into the season. We heard him earlier during the preseason. I'm going to try to throw fewer than ten uh, touchdowns, uh, ten interceptions. I guess touchdowns too. He didn't do anything. He threw for 143 yards. You know, the team as a whole had over what 270 yards total. The Giants had 171 yards total. It, it was, it was a, it's a bad game to watch unless you're a Cowboys fan. And that was it because it was, it wasn't aesthetically pleasing. It was just a dominant performance. It seems like the Giants were overmatched, and you wonder in the NFL being overmatched. These are grown men who are professionals. The Giants are a decent team as they showed last season. Is Dallas really that good, or this is just what happens to in the NFL? Well, I think normally defenses are usually ahead of the offenses for a couple of weeks anyway. Mm -hmm. So maybe it was just a, a bad matchup getting the Cowboys in, in week one for the Giants. Um, Saquon Barkley wasn't even effective. Nope. And you you would think they, they'd feed him the rock. But um, I think it was just a bad matchup. They ran into a buzzsaw, much like the Bengals. Oh God! And you talk about the uh, the the continuity a team needs to have, and the preseasons where you're supposed to get those kinks out. But I believe now with the preseason being how it is, where the starters hardly ever play, if they play at all, it doesn't get that con continuity. It doesn't get that chemistry early, so you can't end up with something like this. And this is uh, embarrassing. And you you pay uh, Daniel Jones all of this money. He throws for 104 yards. I mean, the, uh, bro, it's terrible all the way around. I mean, Dallas, is Dallas really that good? We'll just have to wait until the second. But are they the only team? Are they the only team who looked this bad this week? I don't know. Going by the shutout yeah. number, they probably are. But I'm sure other teams didn't play bad. I couldn't watch every game. You know, the Jag Jaguars looked okay. And even the Colts looked okay. Anthony Richardson looked better mm -hmm. than I expected. He needs to learn how to slide. He got blasted at the goal Did line. He? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He got lit up. And he's going to have to learn. Still having problems reading defenses, but this is what you expect from rookies. It's not a knock against – he's not intelligent enough to do it. This is what rookies do. This is what Peyton Manning had done when he threw for nearly 30 interceptions in his rookie year. So, yeah, no one ever questioned his uh, tendency to think one way or another or his intelligence. And he's, you know, turned out to be a pretty good quarterback. But um, but I was I was pretty surprised, pleasantly surprised by Anthony Richardson because I did say – he was going to be just another one of these running quarterbacks that just throws a bunch of halfback options, and that hadn't wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. But one team I think we talked yeah. about last week that's dominant, San Francisco, defensively going to Pittsburgh, embarrassing them and doing what they wanted. Javon Hargrave getting that sack in his first damn game with its 49ers. Might be the <clears> play of the year, possibly. Yeah. That that was a, a very good win. Um, we still don't know what Pittsburgh's going to be, what Pickett is going to be, but they they had high hopes for Pickett. Yeah, and, me too. <laughs> and Forty uh, Niners shut down that talk right right quick, man. Um, Pickett's gonna have to show and prove next week. But yeah, I mean, I picked the Forty Niners to go to the Super Bowl, and, and we you know what. Yeah, we apologize if you watched, listen last Thursday. We didn't give our Super Bowl winners. Yeah. We just, travel's in a hurry, so we had to shut down the well, podcast. We have Baltimore. I have Baltimore, <laughs> Baltimore and San Francisco. Obviously, after we saw the first game, we're cheating now. San Francisco is going to beat Baltimore. Now that Baltimore lost their running back, we got to figure that out now. But, oh, yeah, man. I'm taking the Cleveland Browns now playing the way they have. And, you know, Cincinnati's not going to continue to be now. Bro, that whole 
AFC North is going to be a pain in the ass this upcoming season. So I'm, I'll just wait for things to shake out over there. But this San Francisco team, yeah. man, they gave up just I, over 40 yards rushing. I don't, yeah, I don't know if we, we should, if anybody should pick anybody from the AFC North. Those teams going to beat each other up. Yeah. And who knows who's going to be healthy come playoff time. But, um, you know, I talked about Deshaun Watson. If he gets back to what he used to be, Cleveland has a good defense. And they showed it They showed it yesterday to shut down yeah. Burrow, you know, with his weapons, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, you know, to hold them to, to that score. That's a hell of a job. You know, Miles Gary, he puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. He got a sack or two. Uh, that defense, they can play. And Deshaun Watson didn't have to do anything spectacular throwing for 154 yards, a pick, and a touchdown. The defense pretty much took care of the rest. And, of course, Chubb is going to run the ball because we know that's what he does and, and control the ball. And, and the defense is, you know, just handling business as they've done. And, by the way, when you go back to that Pittsburgh game, Cam Hayward now out for a little while because of a groin. Another issue with that Pittsburgh defense. So we have to keep an eye on that, you know, moving forward as well. You know, we talked about Joe Burrow losing 24-3 with his Bengals. All of that money and the guy loses like that. And you said it's not a good look after they were trolling last Thursday with Pat Mahomes. Craziness going on in the NFL. We've seen the Bengals not live up to expectations in the past. I thought they had the quarterback that can keep that a distant memory for at least the next 10 years, maybe even 15. Mm. Ooh, bad start right now. Yeah, but is he 100% healthy too? You know, coming back from that calf injury. Um, but you know, there've been a lot of teams that that didn't look good in Game One, and they turned it around. And oh yeah, and, absolutely. You know, I remember the Patriots got blasted by the Bills in Week One, one season. They are, even the Bills that were on Sports Illustrated. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a D lineman took a, a fumble to the house or something, and it looked like Patriots were done. But that was Game One. And that's the problem with, with most media outlets today or social media, people on social media. They have recency bias. You know, everybody's picking the Cowboys now, but they forget who their quarterback is, you yep. know. And what happens when they go against a team that can run the ball, can pass, protect, and now that defense isn't doing what it did last night. And Dak Pres Prescott has to make plays. Yep. Different story. So, I mean, a lot of football to be played. Cowboys look look good yesterday. 49ers look good. Jaguars had to come back against the Colts. That was surprising. But they got it, the they got it done. They got it done. Got it together in time. Um, but the Bears, same old Bears. You already know where we're going. The same old Bears. But, bro, I mean, defensively, they looked all right in the beginning. Now, Jordan Love, if you look at the stat sheet after the game, the numbers look excellent. Three touchdowns. He threw for a lot of yards. But watching the game, as you watched it, I watched it. It was the game of the week, so I know a lot of people watched it. How did he get there? The same thing I said about Shadur Sanders in his first year, first week, 510 yards. Yeah, nice numbers at the end of the day, but how did you get there? Was it a bunch of dumps and your athletes make plays? That's probably what happened here with Jordan Love. He did throw one long ball, but a lot of dumps there. Well, the issue with the Bears' defense is their, is their D-line. They don't get a lot of pressure. The only way they're going to get pressure for the most part is if they blitz. And Gagway, he got one sack, mm -hmm. but that's one sack. 
Um, he, did, he, he disrupted a little bit because they talked about how he didn't do well against the run. He disrupted the run a little bit yesterday. Uh, I, I don't, in the beginning, I, I'm speaking to the pressure on the quarterback. You got a, a young guy mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, Packers' backfield. You want to put pressure on him. You don't want him sitting back there relaxed and being able to, to scan the field to find somebody. You want him thinking about, oh, shit, well, where's it coming from now? You know, you force him into bad bad decisions and making mistakes, and that didn't happen. So what were your thoughts? I was I was going to ask you, but I figured you might have been so pissed off, man. <laughs> What's your thoughts on Justin Fields? Because you watch him much more than I do, and this is his third season. This is typically the year in the third year you see where the quarterback is and where you're going as a franchise. I didn't see any progress as a passer. Was it because of the pass rush, or this guy still can't read defenses? I don't know if he can read defenses or I don't know if it was play calling. Moore only had two targets. Why do you trade for this guy? You're only going to throw him the ball twice. And he did make a play when he got the ball. Right. He made some plays. But I was just – I was kind of astounded I don't, a bit. It just looked the same. You know, we're – I'm looking for improvements. I didn't see any improvements. That's why yeah. I say same old Bears. Exactly. They couldn't I mean, block – he didn't find open receivers. Uh, he threw the same type of interception yesterday that he threw last year, and he made some nice runs with his feet. Same is old Bears, same old Justin Fields. Yeah, Going is he prison. still panicking and not even going after the second receiver? Is he not going through his progression? Is he just panicking after that first one's not opening and running? Because I, it looked a little bit like that. Jordan Love did a lot of the same too, but at least he kind of came a little bit under control. Justin Fields never showed or never looked like he finally had that aha moment of doing something. Right. It was like, I'm going to run. His first thought process was just run. And it just didn't look I don't good. Know, man. Maybe he doesn't have trust factors with his receivers. You know, um, Mooney got more targets than Moore did. That doesn't make any sense to me. Nope. Mooney's not a number one receiver, but. I don't know. I was just disappointed because, I, like I said, you're looking for your team to take a step up. They they added some linebackers. They added to the secondary. But that D-line, we talk about it all the time. If you can't get pressure on the quarterback, if you can't stop the run, it doesn't matter how good your linebackers and safeties are. If your safeties are making all, all the tackles on, on running plays, you're in trouble. Yeah. And especially if your safety is Eddie Jackson because he doesn't like to tackle. <laughs> That's a, you can add him to the list. I hate Eddie Jackson also. Yeah. He, he used to get he used to at least get interceptions. Now he doesn't even get interceptions. He gets beat, and when it's time to fill the hole, he's very soft, very soft. Yeah, watching these two teams in the beginning, it didn't look so good between these two young quarterbacks. You know, you kind of got bored watching it unless you was one of the fans of the team. And then ultimately you saw – um, Aaron Jones finally started running the ball effectively, and that kind of opened up a little bit more and gave Chicago more to think about. And then Jordan Love started putting the ball where it needed to go. You know, the play calling was a little better, and he started, you know, doing what he did. And Chicago defensively started off well, but it's a long game, and you can't get pressure on the quarterback, and the offense makes adjustments for the defense that you were playing, and they just were playing catch-up after that, and they don't have the quarterback to catch up with. At least not right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping to see big improvements, but I don't. I don't know if it's likely because that line isn't going to get any better. 
I don't know if he's going to have any more trust in his receivers. I don't know if the play calling will get any better. You know, I didn't see any easy, you know, a lot of times, uh, if you watch the Patriots when Brady was there, a lot of their passing plays were like running plays. Just dump it off right here. Let's get three or four. Mm-hmm. Now we're second and six. Now you run it. You get third and short. You know, the Bears never do any of that. You know, they run it second and ten, second and nine. Then they try and pass it incomplete, third and nine. I mean, they they do it to themselves all the time. You got you to gotta put people in position to succeed. And when your line can't block, if you have a great line and you're going to get at least three, four yards, maybe five or six on first down, yeah, run it every first down. But when you don't have a good line, you got to switch it up. You got to go some play actions, quick dump offs. You got to yep. get what you can. You can't just run into a, a mass of, of people and get tackled at at the line of scrimmage. A one-yard game, maybe. Maybe, right. I mean, how many times did you hear, oh, be uh, tackle behind the line, or he might have gotten back to the line of scrimmage. That should not happen. You, you should be they, – they should be saying, oh, that was a three- or four-yard game. Well, I don't know what these offensive coordinators are doing. I know there's a lot of egos involved, and they think that they can make plays who aren't good better because of them instead of just calling the right plays. I mean, it's just – I don't know. It was just – um, it's, it, there were points scored, especially towards the end. There were points scored, but, yeah – Jordan Love wins this one in terms of the eyeball test because Justin Fields looked like he either is staying the same, stagnating, or taking a couple of steps back because this is your third year. This is when you're supposed to catapult and show something yeah. different. Well, and the Chicago Bears have a long season ahead of them. They will be playing them up in Green Bay. We know about that as well. And the football season continues to go on because the Miami Dolphins, come on now. They go out there, I believe, when they played the Chargers in Los Angeles and Tariq Hill. What more to say about him? First game of the season, 215 yards, 17 games now in the regular season, not just 16. There's some records possibly being broken. Is he at the wide receiver spot? Yeah, he said he wants to go for 2,000. He's off to a good start. He's on That's pace it. for 3,000-plus right now. So um, I, it's going to be hard for him to get 215 yards every Sunday. But, <laughs> but um, he's definitely going to get his targets, and he's going to get every opportunity. So he might get that 2,000. Well, let's also hope that Tua can stay healthy. That's the other issue. Throwing for over 450 yards, getting three touchdowns through the one pick. You know, that's a, a match made in heaven between him and Tariq Hill. But if Tua can stay healthy, and that's always been an if. I didn't think about a injury bug, even though he was injured at Alabama. But, man, I don't know how anyone could be so injury prone. But this is football. You are – going to get bumped and bruised and probably injured. He just gets injured more than most people, it seems. And they need him most. But, yeah, man, Tyreek Hill showing he's the most explosive player in the NFL. He can pretty much call his shot like Babe Ruth when he wants to do big things and get 215 yards. And right now, another team in the AFC East, 1-0, because right now, Buffalo's going to play the Jets. Obviously, things didn't quite work out for the Patriots yesterday. They lost 25-20, to even though Matt Jones had three touchdowns. I don't know, maybe some more empty yards, but they did play the defending runner-ups, the Philadelphia Eagles. And, um, you know, Jalen Hurts not putting up an excellent numbers, but he's still on the winning team. And he was the quarterback of that winning team. So Bill Belichick starting off 0-1. So, uh, How about the Raiders beating Sean Payton? Yeah, the Raiders beating Sean Payton. That's something, you know, Sean did a lot of talking in the offseason. We already know that's that. Why I'm, that's why I'm bringing it up. And, and now – 
they come to your house and take care of you. And this is a division, a division fault. So they're in your house, they're hitting you up, and you lose the game. Russell Wilson didn't play necessarily a bad game. I thought, you know, he had some damn good efficiency, high percentage, completion percentage, because Sean Payton set it up like that. You still lost the game. You're going to have to be responsible for that, Sean Payton, and because of all the talking you've been doing. And it looks like mm-hmm. the way they play, things may get worse because I don't believe the Raiders are that damn good. Right. So, yeah, other teams are going to smack, around, smack you around a little bit too. But how about the Falcons beating the Panthers? Bryce Young had a rough start. But B. John Robinson showing that, you know, he wasn't the leading rusher on the team, but getting over five yards of carry, he's showing early, early receipts of being pretty solid as a running mm-hmm. back. Yeah, that was a nice uh, catch and run for the touchdown, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Yeah, exactly. He has the hands. See, when he was at Texas, we didn't get a chance to see his hands because, well, Texas didn't throw a lot to the receiver, the running backs. But now he's showing. I saw it in training camp. But I was like, you know, you always see these things in training camp, players catching the ball, and they don't do it in the regular season because ben they don't shooting threes. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> you know, like basketball, man. Like like when uh, Clay Thompson was showing those videos of him just constantly three after three after three. Or Ben, you know, ben Simmons, like you said, three, 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 get to the game, can't hit free throws, let alone threes. You know, he's afraid to do it. Yeah, but, yo, the way we're going to close it out. And going back, by the way, with San Francisco, let's not forget about what McCaffrey did, Christian McCaffrey. Oh, yeah. Excellent, excellent day. Man, see, he's not underrated because he can't be underrated. He's done so many things, you just can't disrespect him. Only underrated because of his salary, because B. John Robinson is making more than he's making this year. But Christian McCaffrey, another weapon there. Debo Samuel, we know about him. And now Purdy showing exactly that he may be on the ascend as a star player and happens to be at the right time. They need that kind of player when you're surrounded by a star defense. But they got to win now. A lot of short-term contracts on it, with the exception of the front guys on the defense. But a lot of short-term contracts, and they got to win pretty much right now. And it looks like starting off at 1-0 is a good time to do it. Jets, yeah. Buffalo tonight. We're about to close it out. Monday Night Football. Aaron Rodgers in front of the lights. He's been in front of the lights before. He's won a Super Bowl. But New York lights are different, allegedly. Especially in Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's my MVP pick, so he, uh, his campaign gets started tonight. So I'm going with the Jets, Aaron Rodgers. Mainly because uh, there's yeah, questions. The Jets, huh? What'd you say? Yeah, I'm definitely going with the Jets. Not only, oh. I said, I'm definitely going yeah. with the Jets. Not because of being a homer, but I believe they have the better team right now, and especially the disarray that's going on in the locker room with Buffalo. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They they have issues. I don't think they've been ironed out. I don't think Diggs is happy. Um, if he gets three touchdowns today, maybe he'll have, be a little happier, but I don't see that happening. Well, if he does get three touchdowns, he's going to two for five. That's why. <laughs> he's he playing catch-up. And I think the Jets are going to win this a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home. The defense is going to be good or maybe possibly great. They were great last year. We just had such horrible quarterbacking. Now you have a quarterback who doesn't even have to be great, even though he's known as being great. Just be good. If that defense does anything of what it did last season, the Jets are at least going to be in the argument. But because they're the Jets, you know, the argument might get silenced later on during the season. But for this game, Monday Night Football on 9-11, by the way, which is a commemorative day, not a celebration, it's time to commemorate. 9-11 happening 22 years ago today. Well, yeah, well, my 
my thing, well, I'll say that after I talk about Aaron Rodgers, we've seen him so many, so many games over the years. He he shows up in, in big games, and this Monday mm-hmm. night is the only show in town. Um, I think he's gonna have a big game. As I mentioned, I think he has a chip on his shoulder. He's got a bad taste in his mouth from last year, eight and nine, had to leave his the one team he's only been with, and now he's in New York, and things are looking on the up and up. They, you know, they they signed uh, 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 Cook, right? Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook, and, yeah. Yeah, and they got uh, Garrett Wilson. He's got weapons. Um, like as you talked about that defense, uh, he should get plenty plenty of possessions to do his thing. So I, I think he probably put up at least thirty points tonight. Yeah, because I'm thinking Vegas is giving out money like candy, giving that two and a half favorite for Buffalo. I'm thinking Buffalo, like you think, are going to have issues because what's going on in that locker room. I don't think there's going to be that uh, that seamless from the locker room to the field chemistry when they get out there in the Meadowlands or at the Meadowlands at MetLife Stadium. The Jets are going to win this game, and that'll be it for us today. And we'll have some show, some speaking about what's going on this tonight against the Jets and Buffalo. We'll talk about that tomorrow in addition to maybe even bringing up a little bit more of that Mel Tucker issue but there's so many more things going on as well. Basketball, we didn't talk about today. That could be talked about tomorrow. Baseball still no, going I, on, by the way. We don't no, have to talk about later. I just want to say one thing. Um, what happened on 9-11, that was terrible. It was tragic. A lot of people lost their mm-hmm. lives. A lot of people lost loved ones. But my issue is with those people who tell others to move on, and that happened a long time ago, and we shouldn't always bring it up. But then they want to say, we never forget 9-11. Keep that same energy. Be consistent. Keep be, keep that same energy. Be consistent. It's not just for you. It's for everybody. Exactly. And unbelievable that people even have that kind of a mindset. It's like if your mom died, you know, 10 years later, you're supposed to get over it. You don't get over it. And especially being a native New Yorker and have gone inside that World Trade Center on the 103rd floor at one point. And to look out the window just casually because I was up there, I used to, you know, I worked down in that area at one point. I was sent down to that area when I was working in New York. And to think when that actually happened and then afterwards, I thought about, damn, what would I have thought or even done on that same 103 stories that the receptionist was going back to get a signature for me? And I'm looking out the window, kind of wandering around the office. What would I have done seeing an airplane come straight at me? I'd have thought, oh, it's low, but it's going to turn before it gets here. Um, I'd have thought the same thing. And that thing would have ran right into the damn building and you'd have been nothing but a casualty. I think about that pretty often, man. I was like, you know, being on the 103rd story of the World Trade Center, looking out the window, East River, bro, craziness. Well, that'll yeah. be it for us today. So um, be, Peace. be sure to join us. Tribe Bias signing off. Peace.